Watch out! It's a fury of teas! I certainly don't know what that means. But I'll tell you what I do know, guys. Tea Fury is the original pop culture t-shirt destination selling unique designs every day since 2008. You can snag their shirts for only 24 hours, starting at midnight. Hey, 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 you! Missing a shirt from the past and want to get it again? Head to the T-Fury Gallery, where you can buy some old designs still in print and vote on others to come back from the dead. You know, I like to say zombie style. Every two to four weeks, T-Fury adds more designs to their gallery, so be sure to keep an eye out for the return of your favorite shirts. T-Fury shirts cover all your favorite topics and fandoms. They got everything from gaming, sci-fi, anime, TV, movies, pop culture, and more. Their T-shirts change daily, so check back as often as you'd like. Also, feel free to get a life if you're not able to uh, check in that much. I don't think anybody's going to hate you for it. Also, don't forget about the T-Fury after-hour sale. If you miss the day's shirt by only a little, they keep the sale going into the wee hours of the morning just for you check out tfury.com backslash nerdist and see what today's shirt is all about guys that is advertising hey guys welcome to episode 93 of the jv club with the delightful amira rotola barrent i am such a fan of amira's happy to say she's also a friend. Uh, this is going to be a very quick intro because I need to get this out into the world to you guys. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in for another episode. <laughs> uh, I got all old-timey radio for a second. Um, I'm very behind in shout-outs, guys. Uh, Sketchfest is swallowing me whole as usual uh, this time of year, but I did want to thank for their emails Kaylee, Melissa, Neil McD in New Zealand. I wanted to thank on the Nerds page Ginny, Mark, Scott B, Tots90, Hannah, and Alec. And uh, Mark, I think it was you who suggested me potentially podcasting my mom. And you're not the first person who's asked me about that. I got to tell you guys, I would love it, but um, boy, uh, she would never do it. <laughs> she would just never do it. Um, I'm totally happy to ask her the next time I talk to her, but I just, I just know that she won't. Uh, anyway, so great suggestion. I didn't want you to think that was going unheard. Um, it probably won't happen, but, uh, maybe I could get Maria, uh, Maria Bamford to podcast as if she was my mom, since she does such a great impression of her own mom. Anyway, guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, I'd love to see some of you out at Sketchfest. Check out sfsketchfest.com for full details. I'm so excited because a couple days ago, we just announced a show uh, that I was able to lock in that is Bored to Death, um, a salute to Bored to Death with Jason Schwartzman and Jonathan Ames, the creator, and Zach Galifianakis and Ted Danson. So if you needed another reason to come to SF Sketchfest in San Francisco, I assure you this is the one. Uh, talk to you guys soon. Look forward to your questions and comments. Now entering Nerdist.com. on this device otherwise known as a computer i feel should i record on my device too do you want to what should i i wonder what, I, what, what do i have what do i have in you my bag rec- you could record it on your iphone you know what i'll in get the voice memo department <laughs> i have my daughter's computer for homework in my car and Wait. i have an ipad and great phone. I'm, there's I'm gonna set gotta it all be up. a way we could get our bases covered <laughs> oh my dear if lord only. oh man new so new amira new haircut i did i cut my hairs 
I cut my hairs. I waited. I waited because um, we did this live class with Oprah on It's Just a Fucking Date, the, the most recent book Greg and I put out. And in part of it, what they wanted to talk about was a time in my life when I was coming out of what was my first marriage, which was just one of those things where I was young and I just kept falling for the same set of lies and lack of <sighs> action because I loved him. And it was, you know, it was young love. And that's how I thought it was supposed to be. And so when we broke up for like the 75th time, <laughs> I went and I, cu- I had really, really long hair, like most of the way down my back. I went and I cut all my hair off. And because I wanted to be different and I wanted every time I saw myself in the mirror or the reflection of a window walking in the streets of New York, I'd be like, right, short hair girl doesn't do stupid things. Mm, I couldn't understand that better. Don't trust your instincts. They're completely wrong. (laughs) Do the opposite of what you think. And eventually it'll feel like, right, oh, right. I'm being told this was the right thing. Yeah. But so they wanted to cover that on the life class and show a picture of me with short hair, but I've been wanting to cut my hair for a while. But now, I waited. Having said all of yes. that, just in case anyone's curious, Amira had very, very long hair further down her back. Yes. It is still long. You did it's, not you get know, like I a did, buzz I did cut. Sort it's of an, it's I, like a yeah, boob you know, length, if, if I might be so it's bold. It's like a, it's a, I'm calling it the wavy long bob because uh-huh. it's shorter in the back. It's a good wavy long It's a bob. good four inches shorter in the yeah, back. Actually, I do really approve of that because then, I always wanted to have long hair that was pretty short in the back, yeah. but I still wanted my hair to be long because I, I didn't want it to be like short and then... I need to be able to put it up out of my life. I need a ponytail or a sloppy. I need it out of my face in in life when I'm doing most of my day. So what's the wavy long bob? I'm calling it the wavy... Because my hair is wavy. So I'm calling it wavy long bob. Yeah, yeah, well, I think it looks uh, fantastic. Thanks. And I also just... It's even to, better I'm when sure, I curl it and try to make it look nice as opposed to just come to you from the shower. Uh, well, that would also be fine. Like, you <laughs> would even come here and shower and do the podcast in a towel if that you wanted like to. That seems like next time. For sure. Next time. Next well, time when something what? else goes horribly we'll wrong We'll call it a spa audio. day. A spa day. Right? We'll put cucumbers on our eyes. glamping? I think it might be. Glamping and spa uh, day. Spa day, right? Oh, you and your made-up words, <laughs> America. Um... Okay, so the life class, yes. I don't want to get too into the haircutting thing if you covered that on the life class, yet, of course, that jumped out at me. I have the life class recorded on my DVR. As you know, I'm in the process of planning Sketchfest with me, which means I can't actually watch anything I care about. What I have to do is like watch old episodes of Downton Abbey, quote unquote, uh-huh. watch old episodes of yes. things, because it makes me feel like I'm not working, kind of, but really I'm just still sitting on my computer on my laptop right. on the couch. It's like... Uh, at 6 p.m., 6.30, I walk up from the computer on my desk, walk over to the couch, turn on the television, with continue laptop, working. Right, yes. yes. Continue I like working, I, but tell myself, like, now I'm on break. Now I'm on break. If I, if I had to organize what you're organizing right now, I feel like I would awaken every night in, like, terror, like, screaming terror mm-hmm. and cold sweats and be like, I forgot to do that. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Constantly. That is exactly what happens to me. Yeah. If I don't wake up thinking about a thing that I've forgotten with the festival, I just wake up from an anxiety dream anyway, which is essentially <laughs> the same thing. So, but it's less useful because whatever it is, I'm it forgetting. Didn't you what you need yeah, to exactly. Down. Whatever it is, I'm forgetting is still forgotten. But I wake up like I had a dream the other night where I woke up sweating and like <laughs> I don't usually have nightmares at all. But I woke up sweating and panting. The whole cliche of like almost sitting up in bed yeah. because I had a dream that the War of the Worlds 
remake Tom Cruise movie sure. aliens yep. were like out and about in Los Angeles and were chasing me and I was gonna get zapped into a crisp. Oh my god. And I woke up and I and- I was so scared and then I was like, God damn it, why did it have to be such an embarrassing nightmare? We're like, it wasn't <laughs> well, even a good movie. Because because you actually are are so aware of it and seem to have such recall of it, do you actually remember were were your thoughts run for my life or were they what do I need to get because I feel like it would be more for me I'd be like oh I all right I need my yeah I need my external hard drive and I need I think it was way more primal I think it really was straight up terror like it was definitely you know what it is for me this is actually getting too dark too deep but I'll be perfectly honest with you um I think it's just all the existential crisis stuff that has hit me in the last year or so, which I've talked about on the podcast before, that's just hit me in a different, deeper way than ever before. And so there's a lot of like, a lot of my nightmares involve like the wild despair of not being ready to die and or like the despair of other people being in pain or fearing for their death. And it's such of that particular panic is what most of my nightmares involve. It's just this feeling of like, no, no. Oh my God. Isn't that that's terrible? So, oh, <laughs> that know. makes my insides hurt. Oh, that's so terrible. I know. I but don't I, know why it's I, hitting me so hard at this point in my life, but it just really is. Every story I hear about someone dying under like grim circumstances, like this week's This American Life, it was a story, there was a story in it about this diver who died down in this cave um, alone and I just like lose it as if uh, it's my best friend I yeah. start crying like well, no, oh, you can, so scary yeah just the idea of being alone being trapped being lost being I'm afraid to see like, gravity because like I just to mm. me that's like oh that's just what my nightmares have been it's like people <laughs> alone and afraid oh God, that's awful <laughs> I know that's awful yeah I can't, so, I, can't I can never watch any of the um like the CSI type shows or any sort of like whenever there is like kidnapped child yeah. alone in yeah. some box terrified oh. it it takes me like weeks <laughs> to get it out of my like yeah. viscera like I yeah. literally like I carry just the concept that a child feels that kind of terror or is tormented in that way or put that and then and but it is that same thing like you know I do think that now that we are um, pre-middle-aged uh, <laughs> and the people around, you know, my husband turned 50 this past year. And it's that thing you're like, oh, wow, he's officially closer to the end than the oh, beginning, right? Yeah. Like, they're very, there's not, the, I mean, maybe he'll live to 100, but if he does, he's not going to know who any of us yeah, are. He's not going to, those so, last 10 years aren't like your first 10 years. Right. But so it's that thing of, you know, what, once you get to that, you know, you're coming up on the halfway point and you're recognizing that, you know, as your parents get older and as, you know, my parents have had a lot of friends pass in the past like year or two. And I, and I know that I'm so lucky that my parents are both alive. They're really healthy for their age and they're still very, you know, ambulatory and active mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. But I, but I see like, oh, it's that generation. It's ha- it's happening. Yeah. It is absolutely happening. And, you know, having friends lose their parents, I just, I cannot bear, I can't bear the idea of it. And I can't even imagine what it feels like 
for them. Yeah. Or what and or watching it. Watching it like knowing, oh, it's the these they're the last two years. I'm watching the health decline or the, you know, in hospice or whatever. It's just I can't it's awful. I know. It's just so it's just such a dense feeling that, you know, I've talked about it before, but I just I just want to quickly again shout out this is the most casual way of saying it i want to shout out all the listeners out there who've gone through it but you know every time i've had a guest on the podcast who's had like a real tragedy in their lives mm. lost someone in that way um and just friends of mine who are going through that and you know i've had those kinds of losses myself but nothing no i have not lost a parent yet you know um I've not lost like a, a close family member. I've had friends take their lives, frankly, which is a whole other yeah. kettle of fish. It feels, it's very, somehow it's very different. It's just a very different loss. It's profound. But um, in some weird way, because so much of our lives are about control or surrendering control or whatever, there's a, there's a weird, there's a different kind of darkness and a different kind of sorrow to the idea that you controlled and cho- and chose to end right. your life, but it's different than like a friend who has cancer. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's just well, different. And, and here's the other thing: is you know when you you know when you have a friend take their life, it's that thing where there, there's still that part of you that's keeps expecting it to be wrong, the information mm. to be wrong. Yeah. Whereas if you see somebody go through a long struggle with illness, and you all know what the outcome is going to be. It feels so um, concrete and heavy, and and it, like it can't be undone. Like there's there's mm-hmm. the, it's so you know when someone takes their own life, especially a young person or someone of our age in our age yeah. bracket, you sometimes forget that they're gone because it oh, doesn't sure. it does you don't have it it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't You're compute right. You're all right. the time. And you should like, you be you could just be like Beetlejuice, 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 and yeah, and, and or that they're just yeah, like yes. to your point that they just went somewhere else. Like right. oh, they're not my friend anymore, right? But I'm sure they're fine somewhere. Like there's a weird disconnect that happens. It's interesting you would say that too because it feels like can it be a coincidence? And listen, I don't I'm I don't know because I'm not I'm also not an animal expert, and I know that sometimes we anthropomorphize animals in an inappropriate way. But with as much as that we do know about you know, the way we see dogs behavior if they lose a pack mate or the way elephants behave and so forth. Um, It feels almost like it would make, it would almost make sense that the, the animal in us that doesn't have that same consciousness that we think our brains are constantly worrying with all these chemicals, da, 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 da. And like, oh, we have such self-awareness, we're, but we're still animals. And there's like, no other species commits suicide because they're miserable yeah. or or they're mentally impaired in some way. Right. And so it kind of makes sense that like on a very base level, the animal in us would just not compute it. Like the, your head can tell you like, yes, yeah, this is what happens. That's what happens. But that your heart or, or yeah. your, your bones somehow are just like, well, that's, what it, is that? It, what well, even it's, is it's that? Also, it, it's such a different grief because it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't, have the same gravity but it it feels different because there's still part of you that isn't sh- sure mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. and so you're processing it but you're also questioning it i totally agree you know because i i find that i find that it's it's interesting <coughs> i just started seeing a therapist this past year for the first time and i wish i had done it so much longer ago because <clears throat> I do find it so fascinating. I do love learning where my idiosyncrasies or my 
you know, weird little ticks or the things that I don't recognize my, about myself. I mean, we all have total blind spots, but we, a lot of times our blind spots are the things where you're like, come on, I don't really sound like that. What do you mean? <laughs> I don't always talk in a clipped tone. And then right. like, oh, well, that's, I really talk in a clipped tone. Yeah. Or, or the idea of, the idea of seeing, I think I talked about this with you um, last time we were together about, you know, my, my father's um, anxiety and caution and how we'd be put through these drills of preparedness for the apocalypse and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And so I, I still do that thing where I, that's right, because we talked about this idea of like your father coming into your two-story home and oh, saying, yeah. Amira, yeah. there's a fire. You have two daughters. What do you do? How do you get out? And you What's thought you had the answer I thought ready. I had my fire ladder. I've got my extinguishers. I've got the whole thing wired. And then he's already gone around the house and checked and seen that all of my windows have been painted shut. Oh, and man. they can't open, so I can't use my fire ladder anyway. Which, by the way, and you as a writer and just like having such an amazing perspective on the world... I love the idea of like immediately what that can also represent. Like you could so easily make that, you know, the bigger picture stuff like, okay, so you have all of these things and sometimes you can't see, talk about blind spots, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. That you just can't, it doesn't even occur to you that this one thing the, that you assume, you make the assumption make like, the well, assumption, this part's I'm covered. This that part's is, covered. This is, why would I even check that? Right? But it is, so I do, I, I find that I operate at a level of anxiety because I was raised in, a household of, you know... That's hard. It would be pre- hard to prepare, not... Preparedness or, you know, well, let's see all the different things that might happen and then let's have a head start on preparing for all of them for... So when the, you know, when we find out what's happening, you already know what your plan is. Right. And so I find that even now, like if you were to go through my car right now, I have a snack basket with an, with enough, like, you know, snacks for both the kids and myself for probably three days. And then I have... <laughs> I have a first aid kit and then I have uh I have, you know, a thing with like flares and a radio and blankets and and they're all in like cute little cases so it doesn't look like my I'm li- I'm a hoarder living in my car. <laughs> right. But my but the thing that soothes me that I have found out through therapy is um I can only relax when I feel like things are covered in case something happens and and then I can access other emotions or and then I can access and so this whole year as I've been learning this about myself I find grief to getting back to what we're talking about I find grief striking me in the strangest of times Mm. about the strangest of things and about losses from so long ago that I didn't fully let wreck me because of that thing of it not seeming real Mm-hmm. And then you're like 10 years out and you're like, well, it's real. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it just feels so, it's so heartbreaking and it's so life altering and it's so delayed Yeah. because I don't know if that's just my own processing, but just the idea of, of for some reason my body just hadn't fully accepted some of these things, like people who have taken their life or whatever, where mm-hmm. you just don't, th- it just doesn't add up. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't. And so your, your grief is, um, or does not Yeah. And it doesn't add no, up and it no doesn't closure. fit. Like it literally yeah. doesn't fit into the life that you were living when it happened. And so we all kind of like, we so meticulously it's like sort of have our puzzle that we've put together and there aren't any missing pieces. So if a piece like that just drops in on the puzzle, you're like, Oh, shuffle that away. Yeah. Like, let me just scoot that piece out of the way. I'll have to figure out where that fits in later. 
and then we don't and then suddenly somewhere a little puzzle piece opens up and it's like drop it plops in and you're like <laughs> oh uh, this oh wow I'm like this is like a, a puzzle of an ocean and this is like fire what is this piece how why does this piece fit right now exactly oh it's so crazy it, it, it is it's really really crazy and it is for someone like me i don't know if you're anything like this but i i'm not i'm not super great to be in romantic relationships with and you can ask my husband about this all right i already have a theory about this but i I am i am out of sight out of mind i'm not absence makes the heart grow fonder same so when Total he is same. out on the road we're, was was we're, because we're efficient and we're self yeah we're self-sufficient and we're not our issue doesn't tend to be like enmeshment or yes. codependency yeah but so it's that thing of you know when he goes away to do stand up on the road or whatever i literally have to remind myself oh you should it's been a few days you should call him and make him feel like you give a shit for a dollar but but it just it's off my radar, and so it's that thing of like you know ten years later somebody's been off my radar for so long, out of sight, out of mind. Then all of a sudden something triggers, mm. and all of a sudden these feelings of grief or loss or sadness about something that I haven't thought about in forever, and didn't fully process when it happened because it didn't make sense and it didn't feel right and it didn't fit and it felt open ended and unsure and unclear. So I've been having this crazy year where. Out of nowhere, it's something, I'll read something, I'll hear a song, something will trigger me, it'll be weather, a smell, something, and all of a sudden, I am overcome with, <sighs> like, sobbing grief yeah. about, and and it's, I mean, it's a great catharsis, and you go, well, I'm clearly accepting that thing that I've been carrying, yeah. that I didn't even know I was carrying. Yeah. Right? And the other thing that's interesting about that, that's hard for someone like me, is that I have the same kinds of experiences, and yet... I do feel like I have such, I think I have immediate access to my feelings Uh when things are happening. So I also feel like it gets tricky because if you're somebody who just is totally closed off Mm. and you know yourself to be that way and you've kind of accepted it, like I think there's a sort of like, we still have the kind of cultural cliche of like a stalwart man who gets to say, you know, look, I just don't really, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. I I don't feel like that. You know, at least they kind of are acknowledging to the world and themselves like, look, I just don't feel stuff, you know, whether or not that ends up being true in the long run. But then you have someone like me who's like, I feel everything all the time. (laughs) Then I think I've gotten that out of the way. Like I've had all the feelings. And and to your point, I'm just just, one big nerve. yeah. Yeah. And to take it back kind of to even just to take it back to what you were saying about the haircut, like that is that is the work of someone who thinks they're processing shit, right? I mean, that is the work of, you certainly were processing some stuff yeah. because you had the presence of mind to go, no, I am cutting my hair. My hair is a reminder of the person that made these decisions and is making new decisions, yeah. and new choices. I am working through this process. This is a representation of that. Now I can move forward with my life. Right. So if you're doing it in some places and not in others, then it really is a surprise when you get hit with something you're like, but, 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 I, huh, I, I talk, I, I I think about stuff. What? Where's the hello? Didn't exactly. I earn the chance to not like? Didn't I earn the right to not be hit with something off guard? And again, it goes back to control. It's like, yeah. well, if I can control my emotional intensity and my emotional response off the cuff, maybe I'll just help be getting this. I'm controlling it by getting this feeling out of the way right when I'm supposed to, and then it will never come when it's not supposed to. Exactly, because that would be such a convenience. I don't really have time for that. Exactly, yeah. but it is. It all. It is all that thing, and that that is something that comes from as you. Were saying about you know the kind of women we are i mean 
I was looking at some studies recently. The biggest demographic in this country is what I'm calling independent women, which is what I'm re- I'm renaming I'm renaming single women independent women. Okay, okay? I accept that wholeheartedly. Because it all it, independent women who are women are self sufficient and supporting themselves. It, it covers all races, right? Right. If you've got the right chromosomes and and you know what have you, you can be an independent woman. It doesn't matter your race, religion, creed, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what my point was with this, but but the, the thing about it is, independent women because we're in charge of our daily life and our own bills in our wallets and when we spend money and when we save money and the decisions we make, we have this illusion of control. Mm-hmm. Like we think we're, we think we are controlling things when in fact our need to control things is actually sort of suffocating the opportunity for things to play out mm-hmm. in its natural I, form. I love what you're saying right now. Do you know it what I mean? It really resonates for me. Yeah. It, and as and as a mother, especially, you know, I mean, even though I, even though I'm married, and you know, you know, we have a life as a family. There's, I still am somebody that works and earns my living, and oh, you're makes terrifically my, independent. And, and the makes, first person to say that would be Greg. But you, you know, know what I mean? Yeah, but I'm, but absolutely. I make I make my own choices, and because I have children, I do have a real tight hold on the illusion of control, where I'm constantly. And because of the household I grew up in, but but it is because of that thing. A lot of times, I cut things off at the pass and try to process them or control what it's going to feel like or what it's going to be or how long it's going to last, as opposed to just letting letting it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so I end up having to do it twice. It, that I, I that totally makes sense to me. The other thing that's interesting to me um, is, uh, and sorry guys, I'm just responding to a very quick thing uh um sorry guys sketch fest sketch fest sketch fest <laughs> um is uh is this idea of like because you don't come off I have a couple things I want to and I want to ask you a question about your about your upbringing as well um because you don't come off as uh being afraid of a mess you know what I mean? Like right. you don't. I don't come over to your house, and uh, you know, Amira guys lives in a beautiful home with a aforementioned family. Her daughters are like the from at least from an outside perspective of the time that I've been lucky enough to spend with them, the sweetest, most organically, seemingly well behaved, just lovely people. They're just lovely people. Like they make my heart hurt. Like they, Amira has they seen. They really are. Me They're cl- lovely. I've literally <laughs> clutched my chest over numerous things that they've said so this thing where parents are like oh she said the cutest thing the other day and you're like i mean this is going to be cute but it's going to be as cute as what everyone else's parent like other parent (laughs) thinks is cute that their child says but like i have literally just seen them behave in a way that i'm like it hurts every part of my body in the best way and then i'm just like oh god i love these girls (laughs) and um and so they're pretty spectacular and so they're not i can't take credit they don't they certainly don't seem and nor would you need to out anything that is the opposite of what I'm saying on this podcast, but they certainly don't come off as being like super tightly wound or they're super, you know, anxious or they're super controlling or, you know, they need, uh, that they have a sense that anything, something horrible could happen at any moment. I mean, they don't. they're just very, it's just a very, 
it's a it, the, the, your whole house is just like very warm and loose and if i dropped a bowl of cereal and it shattered everywhere you would not make me feel like oh my god no okay my, let's get this clean you know what i'm saying so yeah, no, my, it ha- just, my house is constantly piles of things coming in and out and yeah and, you know we do the best we can to keep it seemingly yeah. i just think i just wanted but, to point that out because i think part of the things that you're saying could create this bubble of an idea that you know the control thing that there's a sense of like real order and like rigorous right. this and that and that is not you know it's it's they're, not they're coming it from different places it seems yeah it's not it's it doesn't it doesn't manifest itself or show itself in um how i raise my kids or or our home or like that but it is the amount of i mean if you again to go back to my car like if you looked in my car <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a bag with lap desks and textbooks and all the supplies for homework Amazing. and then there are the dance bags that i mean every day i have to go look at what four dance classes each of my daughters are doing and then what the where what they have to this one is booty shorts and half top hip hop shoes and then this one's doing <laughs> lyrical and point today and so it's that thing of there's such an organization and i guess it's preparedness and so i feel that the preparedness is my illusion of control Mm -hmm. and so this is the question that i wanted to ask which is that you spoke about your dad and kind of what he set up for you guys did a where did that come from for him if you know and b did anything actually ever happen to no, your family that would sort of... Nothing has ever happened, but I do believe it sort of comes from the idea of if you're prepared, you won't need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. But if you're unprepared, the shit's going to fly. It's like the idea that like I have pepper spray on my keychain, so I will never need it. Yeah. But if I didn't need it, if I, if I didn't have it, some, somehow, some, you would somehow need I it. would need it. Yeah. It's just that way of thinking. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and no. where was the just just remind me where this was? Um, where when, I grew when, up when you grew up? Yeah, uh, I grew up seven miles outside of Washington D.C. And yeah. here's where I think it came from. And this is just a sweeping guess. Mm-hmm. My parents both worked for the government. Yeah, my father and my father was a diplomat, and so he went to a lot of third world countries. And he actually spent three years in Cairo when I was in high school, and so he saw a lot of different shit go down. Mm-hmm. And he saw a lot of different cultures and a lot of uh, different situations that you and I will never see, just based on what the cultures of the land are and how women are treated or how violence is acceptable or what have you. And so I think that to a degree. As a as a father, it struck him in a way of always wanting to be able to protect his kids, even if he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And you know, my mother worked for the agency, um, and so exciting. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm. Sh- I, I I don't think she was a spy or anything. But um, I think when you are when you're working in the government in whatever capacity, you are privy to um, attitudes and goings-ons that kind of stick with you and you go, you you get that sort of, you, you grow that sort of thing of like, I need to be prepared. Yeah. Because it's a wily world and we're all protected from it. You know, the government makes it seem like we're all pretty safe most of the time. But I think that when you're inside the walls, you get a different feeling that it actually takes more to keep everyone safe than 
we think. Mm-hmm. And so that that is my guess as to why I grew up in a, in a manner. And, you know, my dad did travel a lot, so I think he wanted us all to feel like, you know, were there a home invasion, we have our escape route and we have our plan and everyone has a baseball bat under their bed and... Mm-hmm. You know, or whatever it is, and I think it, and I, I think it was to give him peace of mind because he did travel so much. I, it, it's interesting that, like, it's interesting too what people consider like the sort of varying degrees of appropriateness for disaster preparedness yeah. too. Like that, like for one person having a baseball bat under the bed seems like paranoid, right. and for another person it doesn't seem like enough, right? And for another person a bomb shelter feels like the way to go with yeah. like sundries for weeks, <laughs> and for somebody else it's like, well, yeah. listen, I have some bottled water in my garage, right? And it's just so hard to. But, it is, but that's the thing is like it is personal anxiety level, mm-hmm. and it's the what is the thing that makes me f- feel good. Yeah. And safe and cover. Because it is all about safety, ultimately. Yeah. Um, well, that's, and that's another question, too, for you for talking, I mean, a little bit about your adolescence, too, and then how it kind of spills into uh, as you get older. And, and again, I just keep going back to this touch point of Oprah's life class and cutting your hair. Um, and I still want to talk more about the life class and I want to talk more about your books. Ay-yay-yay. There's never enough time with Amira Barrett. But, um, uh, how does that manifest itself in the way you have friendships as an adult, or I mean, as an adolescent, not so much as an as, as an adult, but because I think you start, we all sort of start to get to know each other, ourselves, and each other better in diff- different and deeper ways as we get older and accept more things about ourselves. But as an adolescent, when we have like zero, like all we do is think about ourselves, uh-huh. and yet we have zero understanding of what that <laughs> means. Like, how does that sort of does that kind of play out too in like protecting yourself in relationships, protecting yourself in friendships? Or did you feel that you were coming from a place of, of like solidarity because your dad kind of taught you to be self-sufficient and stuff to where you could be vulnerable and still feel safe? I know that's a really abstract question. It it is. And I completely understand what you're saying. And I, and, and here's the thing is I think because of that, um, because I sort of had the feeling of being so capable or not, or even if it wasn't capable, not helpless. Like I, I will take, I'm not afraid of a challenge. I'm not afraid of trying. I'm not afraid of trying to figure something out because I was raised in that way. So before I just go, I don't know, or call the guy, I I do try. I mean, like this morning I went to um, one of my headlights is out and I keep driving around without my headlight and going, well, I, I need to get to the car dealership to deal with this, but I also feel like I can just do this. This can't be that hard. <laughs> right, right. Right. So I went to Pet Boys this morning and I talked to the gentleman and he said, it's like $10. We can do it right now. I said, great. And so he opened the hood and, 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 uh, I, and he pulled out my headlight. I was like, that's all it is. It was literally pulling two metal sticks <laughs> like up and changing then the whole a thing bulb. comes out. Yeah. And then you unscrew it. And I was like, he goes, do you really want to know about this? I said, I do. I go, I don't, I don't know that I'll have to do it myself, but I, I like the idea of knowing how to do it. Sure. You know? And so I think that in growing up, because I had that kind of confidence of, I might not do it right, but I could definitely MacGyver whatever situation mm-hmm. to last me till I can get to whoever can do it right. Mm-hmm. 
and I, so I think that I, I attracted people that were um, probably more more vulnerable than I was slash am, because I am sort of um, because I am independent, because I am capable, and because I am, I think I carry myself in a way where. You make other people feel I safe. Feel make, I, I think I make other people feel safe. Um, and so I think I attracted people that were more vulnerable. And I've had, you know, incredible friendships. And But interestingly, um, I'm not really in touch with anybody I grew up with. Hmm. The, the oldest friend I'm in touch with is, um, was, is my college roommate, who I still am in. Fair, you know, we could talk a few times a year, and, <laughs> I, and I love her to death. But, um, but I tended to... Um, as a young person, like the the relationships were not really deeply rooted for me. Mm-hmm. And you, I think, well, gosh, maybe you were just like super self sufficient. Like maybe there is a vulnerability exchange where maybe they, maybe it was something a little deeper, or could have been for right. them, but maybe you were like. Well, listen, you're great, but you know, if this doesn't, you know, if I'm, if you moved away tomorrow, uh, listen, I'd be fine. Um, I, I mean, I wonder it's, if there's a, a siblings. I have a, yeah, I have an older brother. Your brother, right, right, right. Yeah. And so was your brother the same way? Um, and was he the same way? My brother had, my brother had the same like handful of friends, I think, I think through all through like junior high and high school. And they had the same group of friends in college and he's, and he's still very close to all, he's still close to his college friends. I think he's still in touch like in a Facebooky way with his high school friends. Mm-hmm. But um but uh he my brother and I are very different in that he is a much he's a much better person than I am. <laughs> but he is uh he's almost of a different time. <laughs> like he is he's almost from the Downton Abbey time. Like mm-hmm. his regard for women and his regard for manners and the thoughtfulness and seriousness he walks through his life with is kind of unheard of. Like he was never, he was, he was never like someone that would just like have one night stands in college or that. He just is a very um, sensitive and feeling person. And I think that his, his, his kind of masculinity is so barren from a lot of uh, the men that I certainly grew up with or experienced, the idea, you know, there he just he wasn't an adolescent for a really long time. The way I think a lot of guys are still are, yeah, still are, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. But you know, like he he, and I don't know if that's because of having my father as a model or what, but he definitely was always a let me do that for you, opening the door. To, you know, treating you like a lady and like uh, the chivalrous kind of stuff. Sure, and I think that his regard of women was always very high. So he didn't. That's you lovely. know, I, I mean, I look at I look at the kind of guys I hung out with in college or when I was, you know, a teen or even growing up, and it was all very self oriented and what can how far can I get? What can I get away with? And that kind of thing. And it wasn't it wasn't really about feelings mm-hmm. or a connection it was like can i see your boob can i touch that thing? but you know what i mean whereas my brother was really about connection yeah and knowing somebody and so there's that that weird thing of um 
I don't know what his relationships were like, but I feel like his relationships were probably with um, more like-minded people that were mm-hmm. more thoughtful. Yeah, and like more friendship. Like there was found a foundation yes. of friendship too, yes. which is which is interesting. And I have to say thank God you didn't have that because I don't think that you would have the perspective that you do that yeah. you now are able to share with the books. Um, obviously, it's just a fucking date being the most recent one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also... Uh, it's called a break it because it's, it's broken in. I mean, you knew I, was, you knew I was gonna, <laughs> you knew I was gonna bring that one up. Uh, but seriously, guys, I gotta tell you. I mean... It's just a fucking date is great. Um, it's the, the timing of it works out that uh, I, I don't. I, you will benefit from this whether or not you're in a relationship or not. But uh, because it's because everything that Amir has written is also just sort of about like I think the overall scope of who you are as a person and how to take better care of yourself emotionally and in relationships with anyone. But um, just timing wise for me, like I read, it's called a breakup because it's broken that she wrote with her husband, Greg, um, after a breakup. And so I was, uh, I mean, I've said this to everyone. I feel like I've said on the podcast numerous times. If you're wondering, Oh, that's who she was talking about. That's Amira. She's doing the podcast right now. Hello. But this idea that like you, you can have the access, you can have like, I feel that I have the access to Amira that um, I'm super spoiled by because uh, when you read these books, you're like, oh, I really wish this person were in my day-to-day life. And she actually is in my life, not as much as I would like. But you can, you too can have a sliver of that. It's a very sizable sliver, I'll say, in these books because you just feel, I can't even express to you. And my friend who went through a very painful breakup, who's like a very like super self-confident man who felt like, it always the relationships ended mutually or he broke up with someone and he just got his heart smashed and he read it and got more, even more out of it than I did because he was more devastated by his breakup than I had been by mine, which was sizable. And, um, and it just is like, it's just funny exactly where it should be without disrespecting the pain you're in. I just can't say enough good things about it. Like you you guys are just so great about, it's not something that you can, I don't think it's something you can learn. Just tonally, you guys just organically seem to know, and I don't know because I didn't write the book, so maybe it was like back and forth like, is this a bad time for us to make this joke in this book? And if you were <laughs> sensitive about that, then even more power to you. But there is something so effortless about the way you communicate, Amira, both sitting in this room with me and also on the page, that it just doesn't feel overworked. It just feels, that's what's so amazing about you is that it feels like this every time. It feels like you're sitting down to coffee with someone who's speaking off the top of her head, yet it's a book that you have access to whenever you need it. I just think it's amazing. I'm oh such God, a huge fan. You're like fan. the nicest human being in the world. No, that's, it's that's, so that's, true. But that's, that's the nicest really, thing anyone's ever really said. That's really hard about. to do. That's really hard to do. You know, you read these, you can read little slivers of other, even like sometimes I'll get like an email forwarded from someone who's like a life coach who uh-huh. you know, sends me something is like, oh, don't you agree with Cheryl on this one? And they're lovely. They're lovely, like the way it's written. But ultimately, I'm very aware that I am reading something from a life coach right. who's, she has made it her career to just make you feel better or give you advice that will help you grow your life some way. And it feels very on the page to me. And I think that's what's so special about what you do is I've never come across anybody else who just 
makes it feel like I just called you and I'm like, listen, you don't know me, but this is my problem. You're like, oh, <laughs> let me tell you this. It just feels, it's just, it's just so casual and special. So, well, thank you. I mean, I, ha- I have to say, when you know, this is just something that we sort of stepped into. It wasn't something we set out to do, but for whatever reason, um, I have made enough mistakes in my own life and, and am, and am ad- analytical enough in my own nature or anxious from my upbringing or whatever it is that I, that I've, you know, really looked at it from all the different angles and you know, I have you and I don't know why I have the information or why it comes out so easily. And I on it. And that's such a nice thing of what you said about, about the books. Cause literally I feel like they must be, I always think they must be so difficult to read because I blather on incessantly and I feel like I say things seven different ways and you're like, yeah, got it. No, got it twice. there is Don't no such thing. No, because, we, so because when we're hurting and when we're trying to break a behavior like, you know, and this exists also for he's just not that into you, which a lot of people are uh, familiar with. It was right. something that Greg fell into yeah. um, out of the Sex in the City phenomenon. But, um, but as evidenced by my friend who just went through this breakup, who I'm now able, I was able to see it from the outside opposed mm-hmm. to seeing my own process of, of recovering. Um, you fucking have to hear something 17 different right. ways, well, seven well, different times. Lot- and if there's a way to finesse it so that right. it just seems like it's getting reset, but you don't, but no one's saying, and now I need to say this to you again because <laughs> you're stupid right now. Like right. we all are. Right. You know what I mean? Well, wait, I, it's so funny. Cause we, you know, I, when we went to do this life class, which which was an incredible experience, and and you know, there's a lot of when you when you do something with um, Harpo and Oprah, there's a lot of pre production where there's a lot of phone calls, or conference calls, and trying to discuss what what information are we going to try to extract from the book and t- talk to people about it, and and how do we want to present it, and do we want it to be this way or that way, whatever. So by the time you're live, you know, you think you know what's going to happen and then it goes off the rails immediately. Like it just goes rogue very quickly because people are excited and they want to ask questions and Oprah's there and they can't believe she's in the flesh and she's as pretty in person as they think she's going to be. <laughs> sure. And so um, once it's once it's like, well, you want to say something, what do you have to say? And then it kind of goes all over the place and you lose this, you lose it. And it just has its own energy. Yeah. But the thing that really struck me so profoundly, because the audience was filled with single women and a handful of single men that they had pre-interviewed and done taped pieces to give the men's perspective on dating and behaviors in dating and what freaks them out or what turns them off or what makes them decide you're, you know, you're a slut and not going to be the mother of their children or whatever the stuff is. And so I was, there's these women in the audience and they're, you know, my, a lot of what this book is saying is nothing is better than something as opposed to something is better than nothing. I think a lot of women reduce themselves or they accept less or they settle mm-hmm. or they whatever because they feel like if they don't, they'll get nothing. Yeah. And they don't want to have nothing. But, um, you know, when you're in the sea of women who have questions and are in pain and are confused and are frustrated and aren't getting the life they want, and they're all saying, but you don't know what it's like. We have to compete with porn and we're expected to have sex on the first date and we're expected, that's what guys expect because of porn and blah, 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 blah. And it's incredible to me how women have lost perspective 
on being self-possessed or thinking for themselves as opposed to going, well, that's that's what's expected to me by that guy that likes porn. Right. And then they are accommodating that expectation so they don't get rejected or they don't get nothing. And, and it blew my mind because I was like, I, you know, this one woman, she was... I would say my age or a couple years older and she was divorced and she was saying how she doesn't understand, you know, nobody calls you on the phone and asks you out and people just text and I'm always asking my daughter, how do I decipher this thing? And and even the guys are like, you know, with texting, you can just text, hey, you want to hang out? And then if they say no, it doesn't feel like the same rejection as if you asked. And, and there, this conversation going back and forth about, you know, men like it because they don't have to put themselves on the line and women don't like it because they don't know how what it means and how to play it and and I just said to her text back when he says do you want to hang out or what are you up to you text back call me for the answer (laughs) like it's so simple right but you forget how to think in a pure in simple manner when you're all revved up with insecurity and confusion and trying to trying to it, you know there's like this weird game of sexual chess happening in dating and texting and sexting and relationships and all that kind of stuff and and people are because women are analytical they're all trying to figure out well what's the move and what's the thing as opposed to going I would like you to call me on the phone yeah and and want to hear the sound of my voice and then I'd like to decide if I like the sound of your voice or if I find you at all interesting enough to then have a coffee with you but you know women are they've forgotten that it's about them it's not about him and what his expectations are or that he likes porn and so he wants you should fuck him on the first date it's how do you like to be treated yeah what what makes you feel good and then you go to them hey I appreciate what you're putting out. However, this is not, that's not how I roll. Yeah. And it's as easy as that. And then if they don't respond or they don't like that, well, you just dodged the bullet. Like you sure. saved yourself the frustration of having to find out he's not the guy because he's already told you I'm not sure. the guy. And two, like, to you know, I mean, everything you're saying makes such perfect sense. And it really is just a matter of, yeah, it's interesting. I worry about this stuff sometimes because I do feel like we're in this kind of weird place where we all knew, I mean, and guys, I know I have tons of male listeners on the show. And yeah. so, you know, you're welcome into this conversation offline later, you know, let me know what you think and stuff. But um, I feel like we're in this really precarious place as women where it's like, and this has been happening for a while now where we all think we're further along than we are, which is kind of the most dangerous place to be at all. Because, you know, in the 60s and 70s and even the 80s to a degree, there's so much, there's so many loud voices and it's so clear. It's so clear. And it's the same with, I mean, it's not this, obviously I'm not going to get into a conversation where I liken racism to sexism, to right. ageism, to this, to that, to that. They all are, they deserve their separate conversations. But um, just in terms of like, there's this like what's on the surface is so different from when you could look at a surface and go, well, that's clearly wrong. <laughs> now it's yes. like, eh, the surface is looking pretty good. A lot of independent women, a lot of women making as much as men, not 
all but like yeah. a lot you know a lot of women feeling you know books like lean in where it's like you can do everything there's a lot of good stuff happening on the surface and is that surface dangerous because underneath that surface is a generation of women who feel that they have to have sex with someone on the first date and no one's talking about it because we're all liberated feminists now (laughs) and best not make noise because everyone's going to be like ew feminism that old thing (laughs) that old chest I think we're past that now everybody P.S. give me a blowjob because I like porn right but it's that thing of you know sex changes everything it doesn't we can't we have to I know we like to pretend like we're, you know, well, I like having sex and so I did it and I'm in control of the situation, but it doesn't change the fact that if you have sex with somebody then they get whatever your name, it's going to hurt your feelings. And also like, or, like who are these guys? Like, guys creatures. are super messy too. Like who's, yeah. like you guys who listen to the podcast, you know, I get notes from you. It's extremely clear to me that you're not the bad guy and girls are right. the victim. That there are men out there going, I don't know how to do this either. Right. I would love for her to call me and ask me to da 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 da. I would love to, you know, I would love to have someone tell me that like it's okay that I don't really like porn or that I love porn, but I don't want to love porn. Right. I don't, you know what I mean? Like all of those conversations that men don't get to have either in terms yeah. of communication and like how do we raise everyone up and not yeah. just have it be well, we can teach men to be different because they're going to, you know, we're going to, if we meet their expectations, then they're going to expect that and so forth, so on and so forth. It's also like, well, how do men kind of come on board to this idea of like asking what they really want and not what they think they're supposed to want because of what's around them too? Well, I think, I mean, it's such an individual thing and I think that, um, you know, when you're, (laughs) if you're offered something, you then consider it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think quite quite often, you know, men and women in, in whatever sort of dating proximity or hookup proximity or relationship proximity, like something sexual is offered relatively quickly. And if it is then accepted or the thing, you know, it just, de- it just derails. It's like having dessert first. Why not? Great. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that... Because there is there is access and it is acceptable and people are willing, um, we no longer take the time to go. What would I really like? Yeah. Would I do I? I know I want to have sex with that person, but would I like to get to know them first, or would I like to spend some time together, or would I like to see a movie with them first, or like you've already decided that it's yes or no? Yeah sexually yeah and so you just go to that part because you know that that's on the that's on the docket of things you would like to check out right but but it is that thing of of you know i think i think that when men are offered sex or or they have a game uh, a willing partner quickly it's really just you know biologically and evolutionary evolutionarily difficult to turn down mm-hmm. and then they find themselves in a in a, in a situation that maybe isn't the situation, not that they didn't like having sex with that person, but that thing of like, well, oh, now things are different than if I had just had dinner. Yeah. And then gone, I really like you, or I don't know about this. There's not there's not a thing here. Yeah. So it's that thing of we're not, I think individually, both men and women are not not actually exploring. They're giving, they're giving into the desire or the impulse or the, the, the fun 
Um, because that, but you're in two, you're speaking not just evolutionarily and biologically, but we're also constantly, we potentially fighting against everything moving at a breakneck pace anyway. It's yeah. like, why would I take it slow in a relationship if I can immediately get this answer on my phone when I search on something online, when I can get a pair yeah. of shoes that I wanted yeah. the next day, when I can, you know, when I'm expected to respond to someone's text immediately, immediately like yes. everything, so everything escalated. is so, yeah. So to suddenly look at something that is attached to so much emotion and physical energy as something like sex um, and relationships and say, you know what, that's going to be a place in my life where I do slow way down and have patience right. and take some time to kind of take a step back I meditate on it. Um, it's and, really, it's like that's a that's a huge decision to make in this fast it paced is, world. And quite honestly, like not not to not to reduce sex in any way, but like I I can't control myself at a, around a bread basket, <laughs> right? So I and and that's just bread, uh, yeah. And and quite honestly, I think we can agree for the most part, sex is better than better bread. than bread. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't and, and so I get that it's hard like yeah. I'm not I, I'm not trying to be like you guys should all you know in my day we used to but it just is a thing of impulse control is difficult for everybody mm-hmm. for many different things mm-hmm. you know bread baskets Absolutely. sleeping like it just is a matter of and, and here it, the reason I bring out the bread basket is I love bread it comes in a basket and I can't fucking believe it. And it's like, they've never made butter where I live. And it is that thing where, yeah. but then I feel shitty later and I do regret my choice. And P.S. the stakes. Even though it felt great the, at the time. Yeah. And the stakes of eating a piece of bread versus the stakes of making a sexual choice with yes. a partner. It it just is different. It of just course, is different. But it different. Is, and it is that thing of it's the same but like heightened. It's hi- it's heightened, and it is that thing of um, like if if I eat too much bread and then I have like a gluten baby making my stomach out to here, right. and I feel like crap, and I have stomach cramps, and my jeans don't fit. Yeah, those are my repercussions. And if also, I sleep but also, with somebody yeah. too quickly, yeah. and then things get weird, or I don't behave right after we've had sex, and then that turns the other person off of me or makes them feel shame or. Any anything that is negative, whatever that emotion is, self conscious, whatever, I've possibly wrecked the opportunity to be with someone that m- might be a meaningful person in my life. Yeah, right. So it's a bi- it's a bigger repercussion, but it is like I get not being able to control your impulses. Oh my god, I, I experience totally it daily. do too. Yeah, no right? judgment, no, no judgment, judgment at all. But and to your point, I will say this: I will uh, go ahead and continue to use the bread basket uh, scenario because I think it's so effective. But um, because of what you just said about the feelings of shame, and I think that is such a huge even like shame and regret kind of going hand in hand or regret maybe being a longer lasting version of shame. Right. But it's like, shouldn't we all like the, the, the sort of present self, the id, the whatever, and like the kind of super ego, if you want to look at it that way, it's like, let's put, let's set up a mirror for success so that on one day she refuses the bread altogether 
and or on the second or the next day she eats all the bread but you know what fuck it because she knows she takes care of herself <laughs> she gets to eat all the bread one day because she doesn't do it every day yeah and she's not going to beat herself up about it it's the third choice of i'm going to both do it and feel bad about yeah. it that is not going to set you up for success with right. choices in the future and I, I and i would say parallel with sexuality if you are making a choice that you feel good about that is a reflection of who you really are mm-hmm. that you're not going to beat yourself up over then that's your choice and do it and and be comfortable in that decision and don't regret it and don't feel shame right. if, if if you're going to make a decision that is then going to create a, a like a spiral of shame um you're not going to be a happier, better person the very next time you get asked that to do the same thing. Like, right. so that's where you sort of start to build what your character is going to be around those kinds of things, like having sex with someone too early or right. having sex with someone because you want them to like you more because sometimes it seems like that works or what have you. Right. And, and, and here's the thing is like, you know, I will make that breadbasket mistake over and over again. I absolutely will, and I won't feel good about it anytime I do it. <laughs> and I will even have the foresight to know this is going to end badly, and I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, there's enough thought that goes into the thing. But you must be forgiving yourself you, to some degree. Yes, yes. And I make up for it in other areas of my yeah. life, in my nutrition, in my health, in my whatever. Um, but with the, the, thing, the thing about the impulses of sex and... And sleeping with somebody too soon, and then having shame or regret, or and then um, negotiating with yourself. Well, you've already done it before, so it's okay if you do it again, and it's already a line that's been crossed, and blah 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 blah. The thing about it is, it it is something that can bite you in the ass. Like if you're if you're somebody that is um, is relatively loose with your standards for when you have sex or who you have sex with. And it's up to you. Like everyone has their own set of standards of this is this is where I live and this is where I'm comfortable. And sometimes you dip below those standards. Like, no, I really like, I'm, I'm comfortable there and I want to get back to there. But when you meet Mr. Right or Mr. Forever or the guy I want to be with forever, you don't want there to be the opportunity for someone to whisper in his ear, oh, that girl bangs fucking everyone. <laughs> Yeah. And it's not that it's bad that you banged everyone. It's that now this person has a different perception of his experience with you. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. no longer just having his experience and his reaction. He's now having a little like there's a loop playing in his head of well. And all of a sudden, it can, things like that, you're, the things that can come back to haunt you that can be a totally different part of your life, like they can, they can haunt you in a really profound way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, I like, I like to tell my kids, you know, and I, I can't remember where we put the, if we, I'm sure we put this in some book or some something or another, but the idea of like, no college admissions director is ever going to say, I loved that um, picture of you naked in the hot tub with all those guys <laughs> uh, with your boob in the red cup. Uh-huh. <laughs> That is what made me accept you. Is that in your essay? Oh no! But you know what I mean. It's like it's because it is out there. Because because the choices you make are tweeted and Instagrammed and texted and Facebooked and da, da, da. it's no longer 
your private business. Mm-hmm. And so there's the that aspect of it that makes it all more amplified. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't, my, my eating the bread basket is not noteworthy on Twitter or Facebook or among friends. Right. It's not noteworthy. Right. But getting laid will always be noteworthy to men. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we're being very uh, gender specific and sort of straight relationships in yes. this case because... Yes. Um, well, for one thing, I would say that that is uh, something that you feel more comfortable speaking to. So if we were well, going to, I, I, uh, I don't know, I but feel like, like, I, feel I mean, like, I think a lot of this plays out I think regardless, plays, yes. but I, I, yes. I got, I suddenly got like very PC and wanted to be like, listen, no, you, nobody's you know saying that the only relationships no, that count are straight no, relationships. You know, you know what it is? I find, I find that I, I only know from, from myself and my, and, and my relationships growing up or my relationships with my girlfriends when I was single and Mm -hmm. and out in the sexual world and not monogamous relationships like our conversation our sex conversations died down pretty quickly did you you sleep with him i did was it good yeah what so what are we what are we ordering like it was pretty quick there's not like i you know i think i mean it's a different world now because there's there's a lot of uh lady porn now and Mm -hmm. 50 shades of gray and so you know women are women are opening up the dialogue of of the sexual experience and and giving it more color and adjectives and play by play. But in my it, when I grew up, it was a pretty narrow conversation. Whereas the opposite sa- side, the boy conversation of them, it was a real. It was more of a tell it to me slow, give it to me play by play. And so I think that 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 is just my version in my head uh, is that I think um, the male conversation about sex because. Um, because it, it it's more in their mind all the time. I feel like I feel like it's an, it's a longer conversation than you telling your girlfriend I slept with that guy. Yeah, you did. Are you? Do you feel okay about it? Are you cool? Was it great? Like I feel I feel like, th- or maybe I'm hopeful to think that the girlfriends are like, was it good? Yeah. Do you feel good about it? Yeah. <laughs> great. We're yeah. good. Or yeah. like I feel like it maybe comes from more of emotional support other than rather than yeah. describe as cock. But how does I said feel that, like yeah, yeah. No, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but I will say very quickly that like one of the reasons that Sex in the City, I think reached so many women because there was frank discussion about sex yeah. there and why it's happening more now is less about, you know, um being like raunchy about it all but like it did it did help me a lot to have with very specific girlfriends more explicit conversations because I felt great to know like oh this happened to you too right or oh I didn't like oh you didn't like that oh oh oh, you like it because like that is very helpful um because it is the opposite of finding out about sex via porn you know it's like oh this is a person I trust telling me this thing that she also was into or like why I probably won't like this thing that this guy wants to do with me <laughs> right. or whatever. Yes. You know, it is nice yeah. to have the freedom of information but, but in can, that but way. I ask, but, at, at, but I don't go talking about that to someone else. You know what I'm saying? No, like, it doesn't I know. But become, what I'm saying is like, it, no, you bring up a really interesting point because it is true. It is. I do think this sex the city broke down a huge barrier with that and how women talk about yeah, sex and are comfortable talking about sex, or or or, or removing the shame element or judgment element of being able to be forthcoming with like, yeah, I fucked him. Yeah, as opposed to playing <laughs> cat and mouse with it. Like, yeah. we're still thinking about it. We're still talking about you know because right. for you know for a long time there there was an element of you know women not feeling like they could be honest about their sex lives without receiving judgment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
um, even if it was silent <laughs> and yeah. masked with uh, an empathetic face or what have you. But it, it is that thing. Like I, I do think that, um, you know, it all comes, it all comes back to, you know, what we talked about earlier is, is the, is the idea of, um, being, being, ha- having, a, having enough presence when you're in the situation to go, what do I, what do I actually want? Yeah. Or what, or what, if I have to decide right now, is this someone that I might want to date versus just want to fuck? Right. Like, but it is, it's, it's just having the presence to, to try to do a little, is it, mm, we could all benefit, you know? I think in general too, from kind of getting better at asking ourselves what yeah. we really want and what are you know, that, that whenever I see or hear anything about this idea of people trying to get back in touch with their instincts and going with their gut and stuff, I'm always like more power to you and best of luck with that because we are so far away from like the sense of like, ultimately I just knew that this was a wrong decision, but I just ignored it. And I yeah. went, you know what I mean? We're yeah, just you, far no, away you ha- from that You gut. have a moral compass, like yeah. that, that twinge in you that goes, I, you probably shouldn't do this. Like, you know it, but you choose to ignore it. And, and in all aspects of life, yeah. whether it's, you know, running the yellow when it's about to turn red or what, like there is that thing. And then you hope you don't get caught Yeah, for all of it or hope it doesn't come back to haunt you as a mistake. Yeah. Hope you get away with it. Because we all do have a moral compass, and it's, it's how loud that voice is turned up yeah. inside of you, and whether or not you are like, not now. Yeah. Or like, oh, yes, I know, <laughs> okay, I'll listen, but I really would like to, but I won't. I know. But it is. I it, know. You know. And okay, uh, this, here's what I want to do. I want to round it off with like, okay. uh, it's funny because we really didn't talk that much about um, teen stuff, but I just actually, even if we hadn't already had such a long conversation about teen stuff, um, between the two of us before, I feel like, uh, there's just so much to say about all of this stuff that I, um, I feel completely and hundred percent fine with it if you do. Um, <laughs> but for, so for the mash game, I'm basing it more on the conversation that we've had and less on like knowing a ton of stuff about your adolescence, but okay. I would love to start with, um, uh, three, you know, mash. So you know yep. that we're gonna uh, narrow down. I'm excited. But give about me it. three uh, perfect first dates. Like, just give me three cool, uh, like, great fun things that would be kind of a, a great first date situation. Can I? Can I quickly ask? Is it on any budget or is yeah, it on any on budget. any budget? Fantasy land, total fantasy. Three world. great first dates. Okay. Um. Uh. Semifinals day at any of the four Grand Slam tennis tournaments. Amazing. Love it. Um, <laughs> at the Musée d'Orsay. Great. Right? Great. Airfare included. Airfare, air, a nice little jaunt. Yeah. Over the pond. Um, and I, I, I always love Shakespeare in the Park here at Griffith Park. You know what? I've never gone. Have you never? It's I such make a plans delight. to every year, and somehow I never manage. Every time I go, I'm always like, I wish I went to this more. Yeah, I really. I did go to one up at Enjoy, um, whatever that is, Barnsdall. They have the outdoor Shakespeare. Oh yeah, um, at that Barnsdall Art Park or whatever. This is great. Um, okay. Three places. This is very similar to first date, but three places that you wish you could just like 
blink your eyes and you and the girls would be you and your daughters like a great fun just the girls like you anywhere you could go anywhere could even be not in real life it could be like <laughs> you know what the girls love blank cartoon the girls love portlandia they love portlandia right. instant you guys instantly pop into portlandia so, that's oh my God. hilarious that, that makes them so there's oh nothing God, they I like more that true. than portlandia oh, um, and always uh um hawaii we go to hawaii my family's right. in hawaii and our friends are in hawaii and and it's the it's a place where it's very much the happiest version of us love it um and i think paris the girls really want to go to paris yeah, that's gonna be really and it's on my really mind great. since you just went i know I so oh my god i would love to be in paris with you guys could you imagine <laughs> i really Really just piggyback on your life in the grossest they, way. No, my my children, my children to are, experience anything. They through, literally want, but they, they. It's so funny because they have this version of the idea of going shoe shopping in Paris. And neither of my children are are. Yeah. Um, they're not kids <laughs> that want to go shopping. Like I usually, are, I, it's usually one of those things where like I bought you some clothes, and they're like, yeah. great. Yeah. They're not like I want this, I want that. Yeah. But there's something they've really romanticized the idea. Oh my God, that's of quite going precious. shoe shopping. <laughs> Of all things in Paris, and I explained to him, I go, if we went shoe shopping, it would not be for you because shoes in Paris are most likely what you're talking about are expensive, and yeah. your feet are still growing. That's yeah. not happening. Yeah, let's go to Target, <laughs> Paris, and they will get their shoes. Paris. Um, all right, let's go bread uh-huh. basket. Uh, flying in defiance of everything we just said. Yes, we're living in a fantasy world where um, three versions of a bread basket type food that uh, you could have as much as we wanted and would never have to feel any shame and never have a gluten baby. Fantastic. Well, the definite uh, uh, cheese platter. Great. I can murder a cheese platter. Great. Um, salted caramel anything. Ooh, mama. Salted, salted caramel, any, any sort of treat. treat. Yeah. Any sweet, salty. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and pizza. I love I me pizza. Pizza, man. Oh, Number one answer. It's tried and true. Deserves to be. Yeah, right? Deserves to be. Uh, fantastic. Um, it's good all cold, right. good hot. I mean, that's just great. That's just great. Okay, uh, let's do vacation homes. I feel sure that Hawaii is probably in that list. Got, yeah, got to do Hawaii because because uh, we do we do love it so. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not be adverse <laughs> to Italy. Great, let's do it. And I've uh, said it before. A bunch of us from the JV Club podcast are clearly all going to be moving into villas in Italy please, together. It's going to be this amazing community of women. Um, and uh, and I really love Sydney. Haven't been. I love, love to go. Um, do you ever watch House Hunters International? I have watched it. I have watched it. Yeah, I do enjoy the house hunting shows. The House Hunters International, it's literally people that are, they move to a totally different country and then they show you like, this used to be a church. It used to be an abbey. And it's now it's all been converted. Like that, right? And it's like $40,000. And you're like, what? <laughs> it's, it's a, it's, first of all, it's like a cobblestone. It's an entire yeah. block and it's all stained glass windows and there's oh, a garden. Yeah. And it's like, 
I got it. But it must be that. really far away from where someone can work. Because how do you? Yes. Yeah. I'm constantly like more let's isolated. Go, I know. Why go, haven't we why snapped haven't up we... that old school in you know exactly. rural France that is exactly. five thousand dollars? It's five thousand yeah. dollars. Although clearly you have to homeschool because you couldn't be further away from civilization. Correct. That's maybe an issue. Okay. Right. Give me three. Um, skills like fun crafty-ish type skills that you wish you had uh, that you had more time for and that were like great at like gardening or gardening for sure I probably remembered that from a conversation I, had. sweet Linus do I wish do I wish <laughs> I had had time and skill for gardening yeah me too um and baking. I right. wish I baked more. I wish yeah. I had time and and uh, f- and fluency. I wish I could. I wish I could bake without recipes. Oh yeah, wouldn't that be great? Like just be those people that, that can feels just, like magic, right? Just put yeah. they write a ma- put an approximation of, this, of, of the thing, and mm-hmm. then it's incredible. Yeah. Um. And one more is that what you mm-hmm. said? One more, yeah. Fluency with, huh? I'd like to be able to um, uh, fix cars. Love it. I'd like to be able to tinker under the hood. Oh, that'd be so... I would love to pull up to your house Could and you see imagine? You. Of course, I immediately put you in like some real cute overalls with right? like the perfect little, grease little, smudge on. I've watched way too much television. Yeah, Way too much television. I would love to be able to like restore, like oh. be one of those people that just has it up on the blocks yeah. in and my driveway. And you actually know and what's actually, supposed to happen. Yeah. yeah. Changing out the alternator. That's so fantastic. I, like I wholeheartedly do. agree. Like, um, like you do, like, listen, you got a problem. Take a Tremere. Sure. Um, you have a, a storefront, you have a, you have a shop. Um, mm-hmm. it does not necessarily require a lot of headache stuff. It's just okay. like you just three great shops that you sell great stuff. But what is it? What are they? Um, I think one, one is just like a straight up, uh, boutique mm-hmm. of, Of like you know, just stylish everyday clothes, like mm-hmm, the, you mm-hmm. know, for for Cali- you know, California life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. California's version of of uh, daytime lady. Great. Um, I mean, I feel like you would have your own scarf shop. I was just gonna say, I feel, I feel like, it, but I feel like boutique covers that with like you know it accessories. Does, it does, but like, like, listen, no, I would not complain if I, I mean, just went in and it was like, uh, you know every what, you know what I am super thing. turned on by is a really good yarn store. Great, because I love, I love the knitting and the crocheting and all that kind of stuff. And I, Great. I could spend. I mean, I, I drag my kids to that, la knitterie parisienne, uh-huh. <laughs> and. God damn it. We could spend... Luckily, they're yeah, willing. You're a yarn store. I love it. I love a yarn store. Uh, last and one. And a bakery. Great. Yes. Mm-hmm. With good coffee and delicious baked goods. Oh, hard to Hard to pass up. Please. Um, okay. I'm, ba- I'm down to my final two. Mm-hmm. Um, you can travel through time mm-hmm. and visit uh, any era um, for as long or as quickly as you want and for whatever reason you want. Three eras. Really? Mm-hmm. That's right. I have the power. I, that's that's kind of incredible it for you. That's kind mm-hmm. of incredible, and I'm I'm trying to think of, of what. It's funny because I ask this question, but it's a question I can frequently, I can almost talk myself out of every answer. Like, I, know, I come I'm up with something like, and I'm like, ooh, but I don't know, maybe da da da. Like I, I know, really, there, have, you know, I struggle it's so, with it. It's so funny. There's no, there's, there's no. 
I mean, like I, I would like to go to Downton tomorrow. I mean, that's great. Like, right? That's a great. In a heartbeat. So that's so so let's let's say this then. It's less about eras. It could be that it's places from a different time. Yeah. But like that's a good that's a good way in of just saying like, okay, you can you can travel to um not unlike the sort of with the girls with Portlandia, Hawaii and Paris. Yeah, like, like so it'd be like Downton, like, Moulin Rouge. There like, you go. Yeah. Um so like a TV or movie kind of situation that you pop into. The Matrix. Yeah, it's so interesting. That's uh that's a that's a Is that a popular that was, one? Well, I think it was it was just said like one of the last few podcasts I did and uh so it's not super popular but I always find that like things happen in little loops like that yeah. where there's just for whatever reason in the zeitgeist yeah. it or just is like a completely random coincidence but it just suddenly I think it's I just, just downloaded little... Divergent to to read. Oh, what's Divergent? I don't know. Divergent is the ne- there's an it's in the next trilogy of books for your Hunger Games reader. Oh, I got it. And it's a it's a futuristic Okay. You know. Yeah. Chosen Hence. chosen people are shaking shit up. Okay. All right. Uh, but it's get a, on board it's a for movie. That. Shailene Woodley is gonna star in the movie. I just saw a trailer oh. for it and uh I said it's gonna be the next big okay, this thing. But I I like a, I like a good uh sci fi fantasy uh glimpse of possible future yeah 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 okay i find that exciting okay so if you um especially when there's ass kicking in the it yeah when there's ass kicking so what um okay so 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 ass kicking wise Mm -hmm. what are three like abilities that you wish you had it could be as simple as kung fu or as complicated as laser beams come out of your eyes oh i i would like to have um non-gravity dependent aerial acrobatics abilities great right great um i would like to be able to stop time Mm -hmm. and telekinesis great i wish i had that too God, I wanted to have that so bad when I was like, mm-hmm. these guys are probably so tired of me saying that. But I would oh, seriously that talk about, I was a real impatient kid, but I had all the patience in the world for staring at a marble and, and trying, trying to get, to get it to move. Oh, yeah, trying to bend things, trying to get like, oh I, man, I there remember, is no spoon. No, I know. I don't, that'd be so great. Yeah. I don't know why. It'd be so great. Okay. Uh, pleasing, uh, pleasing. Tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, pausing, uh, pausing. returning with 100% guaranteed future. Plus. Okay, um, <laughs> I got to give you, the, I'm going to break the bad news first. Okay. The bad news, well, the good news is that you have a second home in beautiful Italia. Oh, I with your some of your listeners. I know. We're all going to be together. Well, listen, you're lucky that we're all going to be there because you can hang out in some of their mansions, apartments, and houses, you yourself have a shack that's just the nature of mash <laughs> that's okay you, you know what Here, humble cliffside shack that's okay i don't need, you know what? i don't need much you don't need and much. and i'm handy and i have a glue gun it's gonna so be fine it's, it's gonna, gonna be gonna great be fine. um i'm gonna make things from from there or really from anywhere with just a blink of an eye 
you've transported to Hawaii. Love it. Nothing wrong with that. Always good. Seeing um, the family. I'm not sure where you have your bakery. Mm. But I also like the idea. There's a lot of travel going on here. Um, you would have your bakery. And interestingly enough, bakery and baking uh, as the skill lined up. So, they did. Yeah. So you instead of Look gardening or Serendipitous. the other thing that I've forgotten that I crossed out. Um, yeah. Baking in a bakery. Um could be that you have a sweet little bakery in Italy. Could be that it's in Hawaii. Could be that it's here in Los Angeles. Who knows? Could be. Who knows? Maybe it's in Downton Abbey because you could oh. also <laughs> pop right over into that. Just I the love little it. the little village near Downton Abbey. Did you notice they just got a little... mixer? I did. I did. Oh, I'm news. keeping up. I'm Big up to news. speed. Miss Patmore's not having it. She's doesn't. She's always the last. Oh, Miss Patmore. She's always. But I love that she sent the Valentine. Everything. Good for her. I know. Sweet sweetheart. Spoiler alert, everyone. They got a mixer. <laughs> they um, got a mixer. Uh, a perfect first date. Uh, that you perhaps this is something that you bestow upon uh, your daughters. Semifinals of tennis. Ah, oh, you're probably greatest. like in the back watching, monitoring. I maybe we could do a going. double date. Right? Yes. You guys, you get everybody. This is great. This is great. Um, oh, it's exciting. Maybe you're there and you decide you need a little snack. Conjure up something salted and caramel. Love it. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And uh, any of this um, starts to feel like it's overwhelming uh, or that can't happen fast enough. Worry not because you do have the ability uh, to stop time. Fantastic. Speaking of stop time, guys, I did that on purpose because it's time to stop. <laughs> what? Oh, thank She's you magic. so much. Thank um, you. Oh, Mira, this is always great. fun. I feel like I just, my brain just ate like two meals back to back. I'm so full. My brain is full, but in a very good way. Fabulous. Um, uh, can people still, like, I'm sure that they can still check out the life class, right? Either it's I think on they, repeat they can check they out the can, life like, class and also, um, and then uh, the book itself. I'm answering questions. I just, I just joined Twitter. Love it. And I, and we have a, uh, it's just a effing date website where we can be reached and answer things. Okay. So I'm, I'm at Miss America, which is M S A M I I R I C A. Don't forget that or second I, guys. Just at effingdate.com and you can, uh, I answer the questions. I engage in conversations. It's I, great. I'm trying. Yeah, let's keep the dialogue it's going, not, guys. It's it doesn't have natural, to end here. It's not my natural medium. I like the the face to face. Yeah, I like the face to face with the talking and the voices. But it is going to benefit your, people. And seeing your pretty smile. Thank you very much, uh, guys. I strongly encourage you to check that stuff out. We'll post it um, in written form too, so that you can reference it and click on it and all that good stuff. And um, I will, uh, boy, be heading up to Sketchfest very soon. So I invite all of you to join Is in on that. Is my husband going up there with Your you? Your husband will be up there Sweet. on the final weekend on February 8th. He's doing his famous Bring the Rock show, which will be really fun. Oh, have fun. And um, yeah, guys, so talk to you next time. Uh, feel free to weigh in with your questions and comments. And uh, take care. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.